Please be seated. Praise be Jesus Christ. Slava Isusu Christu. We welcome our neighbors up the hill here. They live in the deep snow. And of course, we're on the edge of the snow park. So we get some snow, but they are brave to live up there. But it's also beautiful up there. And the man lived in the wilderness out of his mind. And he was nude. And Jesus came and touched him and healed him. Name the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Today is the 23rd Sunday after Pentecost, and we have the Gospel Sunday and the Gospel in honor of our martyr, Ramja, who died for the faith under the yoke of the Soviets. But I want to talk about this possessed man. Now you know that when you were created by God, in the book of Genesis, you had beautiful a beautiful body. And that body was adorned by gifts of God. But due to the temptation of the evil one, Eve ate of the forbidden tree, and she became nude of those gifts. And she gave the apple to Adam. I guess it was an apple, we're not sure. And he ate, trusting her. And he also lost all his beautiful gifts. The gospel today is talking about such a man who's a fallen man who lost all his gifts, so he is nude in the gospel. Nudity is something we usually try to cover because we're not as beautiful as we used to be. Not only that, because of the fall, it's a cause for temptation. Cubescence, which we're all subject to. Now in the gospel today, we see that Jesus wanted to heal us of this. So he heals the insane man who is living in the graveyards. He does that with his touch for us too. In baptism, chrismation, and feeds us on his body and blood for our journey in the Eucharist. But the most important thing about that is that he died on the cross, the new tree, 
and his blood was shed, and he gives us that blood in the Eucharist that we might be healed. In the way of being healed, the second gospel, which is in honor of Romja, gives us the Beatitudes, the things we must do to benefit from the gifts that God is giving us. Unfortunately, men and women, especially today, would rather live with their passions and think God's going to forgive them I don't think so. We must use, live an ascetical life. A life that keeps the Ten Commandments, the Beatitudes, and every holy word that came from the lips of Jesus Christ, the great high priest. Without that, our chances of entering into the royal doors of heaven are slim. You can make all the excuses yourself as you want. I was many years in the military dealing mostly with men who are weak creatures, who are subject to their passions and don't pray because they think, well, I'm the exception. God's going to give forgive me. Why? What have you done for him? Jesus says, when you've done everything in the gospel, he says this, you've done nothing. The ascetical life is the sign of the Christian. If you say you believe in the Lord and you keep the Nicene Creed and you keep all the holy days and you pray and every day you read your sacred scriptures and the holy books, maybe you can attempt to be what you be, should be called to be. I see many tragedies in life. We are fallen, my dear brothers and sisters. And at this time in our life, I put the Red Cross out in front of the monastery because of the plague we're undergoing. That by the blood of Christ, we'll be freed, freed from this plague. But do we deserve that? Is it just the government that's brought this plague on? Is it political? Or is it because our people are living a life of recreation and not a disciplined life, a godly life? You're at risk. It's almost a temptation to go out of the monastery to shop by necessities for the community. 
people are casual in their dress, they're modest, they're always partying, they're buying lots of food, they're not fasting, and even among Catholics, which you would think should be better, but they're in this culture, 80% of them don't go to the Lord's Day, heaven, I mean, excuse me, to church on the Lord's Day. Now, I just come from a week retreat. I had a wonderful time. Father Anderson was there. I've known him for years. He's a professor at Wyoming Catholic College there. He's a Byzantine priest like myself. He's the only Byzantine priest there, but he's representing us and he teaches theology, scripture, etc., etc. It was wonderful to be with him again. He spoke at our pilgrimage, I believe, two years ago. He wanted to encourage the priests. So anyway, he talked to us about the fact that Christ is risen. And because he is risen, he has conquered death, dying, pain, and sin. So he has achieved the victory. But we have to follow the ways. It says in Acts of the Apostles, Paul telling us the way. The way is to follow the teachings of Christ and the Holy Gospel. The Father talked to us, he says, you are baptized and chrismated, and you eat the body and blood of the Lord, so you're on the way. He says, but how many of you are repentant? How many of you make a frequent confession? Remember John 22, the Gospel, whose sins you shall forgive, they are forgiven. Whose sins you shall retain, they are retained. We have a priesthood amongst us. I always join myself and my brother priest. And just two weeks ago, I came back from New Jersey to give the priesthood retreat for the Diocese of Passaic, which covers the whole East Coast. A lot of priests there. And um, they're good men. Bishop told me, he says, you know, our church, from one end of the United States to the other, north and south, on these, is like a big uh, funeral parlor. We spend most of our times burying the dead.
I asked the bishop, what do you mean by that? He says, many people die and we bury them. Many of them are good Christians, good Byzantine Catholics, and many of them are marginal. So I think it was a double entendre. They were not only physically dead, but maybe spiritually dead. Very dangerous. In my lifetime as a priest, I buried more young people than old, especially in the military. I used to be in a hospital filled with 400 people, damaged in war. I'd walk the rooms and the floors every day, praying with them, giving them the sacraments. It was hard. It's hard to hold a young person in your arms as they die. But you can have the consolation if they lived a good Christian life and they died with the sacraments. With Jesus and the Holy Eucharist on their mouth. They were lucky there was, the, there was a priest in that hospital. Many died with no one near them. Hopefully they had, were praying and hopefully they had been to the sacraments, especially the Eucharist, frequently. So the bishop looked tired. And he's a young man. And I was happy to be with him and to be with all those beautiful priests. And while we were there, they saw, many of them celebrated their anniversaries of ordination. And all of them had the opportunity to go to confession and to pray together, which they do about once a year. Bishops must provide that for their priest. Some are very busy, and as you know, our church is growing, and we haven't got enough priests, because it takes a long time to train a priest, and the doors to Europe are closed. Okay, we could bring them from Slovakia and the Ukraine, but the government, you know, with this disease, is closing everybody down. So Bishop is uh, in a dilemma. And some of them have two and three parishes on, on Sunday, packed. Some of them are not packed, because in the old parts of the East Coast, churches were close together so people could walk. Now they come in the car, we don't need all those churches. They can go, two or three churches just can come in the car, you know, and uh, walk into the church. And out here, everybody drives to church, you know that. But what impressed me was the faith of these men, 
And the knowledge, especially of uh, Father Andrew of Scripture, he could tell you when he preached the text, how it was influenced by the Old Testament, and what the fathers of the fourth century said about it. That's a scholar. His whole life has been scholarship. He's a gift to us. Now, not all of us have the time and energy to do that, but all of us have time to have a rule of life. So we pray morning and evening, and we read our scriptures in the holy books and live the beautiful life that our forefathers did in the village in Europe when they had nothing. They had a subsistent living, they had the church, and that was their whole life. They were better off. We're slowly sinking into Bedlam in America. Is there a cure for our problem? Jesus Christ is the cure, his great heart and love for us. Are they listening? No. They're fighting with each other in Congress about immoral things. So I, our bishop, our, excuse me, our president went to see the Holy Father in Rome. They had a private audience. They, they didn't even say, he said, well, uh, the Pope said I could go to communion. So I figure he went to confession because he certainly needs confession, right, that guy. So even the Catholics in public life, they don't always represent us very well because we're taken up too much with the world. Our cars, our houses, our bank account. And you know, if you watch carefully, go try to transfer a large amount of money in your account in the bank. They're watching you like a hawk. I sent some money to the Ukraine. It came back twice. Money I owed somebody. Money he needed to live. They wouldn't let it through. They called me on the phone and said, are you related to him? I said, no, we're just friends and he needs the money. He did some work for me. I didn't let it through. So I finally called his sister in South Dakota. I sent her the money. I said, get this to your brother. Well, she tried and they gave her a hard time. But she fought with them so vigorously that she did get the money to them. They're watching everything. We're in danger. But whatever we get, we deserve because we do not re really live an ascetical life. We don't pray and fast as Jesus did. He's not be the only one who's supposed to do that. He went out at night 
prayed to his father and did not eat. Well, you say, well, he was God. Yeah, but he was also a human being. He went to the garden and he, even his disciples fell asleep on him. Do not take Christ for granted. Your salvation is in jeopardy. You must keep, just not say, I believe. I met everybody, all sorts of people who believed in the military who were not living a Christian life. I'd say, yeah. You believe? Why aren't you pure? Why aren't you in church? Why aren't you working out your salvation in fear and trembling? Now, Father Anderson, after scaring us to death, which is good for us, uh, told us we're on a journey. This is the journey. It has started. It will end wonderfully if we keep the commandments, the Beatitudes, and the ascetical discipline of the church. And then Jesus will say, come in, you blessed of my Father. I did these things before you to show you the way. Do not fall off the way. The Apostle Paul in the Acts of the Apostles, that's his greatest fear. He would baptize and chrismate these people and feed them on the Eucharist, and they would fall along the way. He said, stay on the way. The ascetical life. That is the Christian. Otherwise, you're deluding yourself and falling off the track. When God looks at you at the last judgment, he's going to read your soul. He could read the souls of Adam and Eve in the garden. He said, who told you they were hiding? You should never hide from God. You can't. He said, well, we're naked. Who told you you were naked? He knew they had sinned. They lost their gifts. The gifts of eternal life. He said to the angel, lock the doors unless they eat of the tree of life and live. The tree of life is open to us in the Holy Eucharist, in the gifts of the church, you will not escape judgment. You will not escape sufferings. Christ suffered before you. You have to join him on the cross. You will have no reason to make an excuse. You can fall down on your face and say, mercy. But God will look at your soul and look for the gifts and look for the fruits of your life 
that you follow the way. If you have followed the way, he will say, come in the blessed of my Father. Name the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen.